Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Good morning, good morning, Fusion Church, 6 a.m. Soap, how are you guys feeling? You awake or not really awake? Maybe you're just kind of rolling over, you know, you're still, you're wiping the crust from your eyes, getting ready to go, um, but you're up, right? And we're ready to dig into the word. Today we are in Romans 15, Romans 15, um, we have Paul writing to the church in Rome and um, talking about a whole lot of things, you know, uh, Romans 15, you know, Paul, he, he he emphasizes unity amongst believers. He's encouraging believers to, to, to bear up with one another. And, and he also um, he highlights the idea of glorifying God together and and he extends messages of hope and peace so really really good chapter of the scriptures um, we're going to pray and then we're going to jump right into it father once again lord we come before your throne lord and we just thank you we thank you for this opportunity um that many people don't have father just to 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 dig into your word to read your word father to to learn more about you lord and 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 learn more about the plans that you have for our life, Father. I pray, Father, that that during this brief time that we're together, that that you will be amongst us, Lord God. That your Holy Spirit will be in every single place where this is heard, whether it's here this morning on six a.m. soap or on the podcast or on YouTube later on, Lord God. That that you would be here. You would be the one that's instructing us, Father. It'd be your words that are heard, not mine, Father. Well, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for my brothers and sisters who have who are, are sacrificing sleep, some of us, to be closer to you. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Romans 15, and I am reading from the New King James Version. We then who are strong ought to bear up with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may be with one mind and one mouth to glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. For this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall raise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Verse 14, now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Elysium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire of these many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for I, it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain." But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be fresh together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Amen. All right. So Paul's writing to the church in Rome. And um, one of the things we know is that Paul wanted Rome to kind of be his headquarters um, to, to reach that side of the Roman Empire. Um, and he sought to go there to, to visit the church in Rome. Um, but he had to do a few things beforehand. And it says in verse 1, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. If, if you could, if you feel, um, if you consider yourself strong in comparison to your brother, you need to use your strength to serve your brothers in Christ instead of using your strength just to please yourself. The idea um, when it says to bear with, um, the idea isn't really bearing with, but bearing up a weaker brother, bearing up a weaker sister, supporting them with your strength. This goes against the, the whole pattern of, of our times, right? You know, today we're, we're, we're told to, to look out for number one, look out for yourself. You know, you got to get ahead. It despises those who, who live lives of real sacrifice for the sake of others. Yet Paul points the way to true happiness and fulfillment in life. Get your eyes off of yourself. Start building up others, lifting others up, and you will find yourself built up. How much more fulfillment do we have 
when we're lifting other people up, when we're trying to build people up, when we're encouraging others. You know, in the world today, again, it really points to like, do you, boo-boo? Just worry about you. Focus on yourself. But Paul's telling us, no, 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 no. You got to be others-centered. Look to others. How can you help other people? It says in verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good. It's it's a simple yet, yet challenging call to simply put our neighbors first, to put our brothers and sisters first. Paul later, he, he writes um, much of the same idea in the book of Philippians uh, chapter 2. Verse beginning with verse three, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem others better than himself. Verse four, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Look out for other people. Verse three says, For even Christ did not please himself. Jesus is the ultimate example of one who did not please himself, but put others first. See, Jesus took abuse. He took suffering, you know, all for the glory of God. He fulfilled what was written in God's word. Jesus showed by, by example that, that for the most part, we're, we're entirely too quick to vindicate ourselves. We're entirely too quick to try to justify ourselves, justify our actions, instead of letting God handle it. Jesus showed how the Father is well able to, to vindicate us. Verse 5 says, now may the, may, may the God, the fact that Paul puts these words into the form of of a prayer, it demonstrates that he recognizes this is a work that the Holy Spirit must do inside of us. It says, may the God of patience, our God is a God of patience. Our God is a God of patience. And I don't know about you, but I know God's been pretty patient with me in my life. You know, I can only imagine there have been times that, you know, God has looked down on me. He's like, man, look at this fool. What, what, what is he doing down there? Man, he got something. Ooh, we serve a God of patience. We're, 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 we're so often in such a hurry and God often seems to work too slowly for us. Am I the only ones that ever felt like that? Like God's working too slow. You know, God's taking his time. You know, often the, the purposes of God seem to be delete, delayed, but they're always fulfilled. Even when God seems to be taking his time, God always shows up. Amen. He's always faithful. Yes, Doug, I was a knucklehead and I still am a knucklehead sometimes. Come on. <laughs> listen, let me listen. God's delays are not always denials. God's delays are not always denials. And God always has a loving purpose in his delays. You may not be ready for the miracle. You may not be ready for the deliverance. You may not be ready for whatever it is you're waiting for, right? And God just has a little bit more molding, a little bit more forming to do in you so that you can be ready for whatever it is he has for you. You may be here and, and, and you're looking for, 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 for healing. You may not be ready for it. You may be ready. You, you may be waiting for reconciliation in a relationship. And God's saying, you're not ready for that. 
because you're still messed up. You have not allowed me to heal you. You have not allowed me to prepare you. You're still the same knucklehead, Doug. That And so if I bring this reconciliation, you're going to be going around and around in a circle. You're going to continue to go around the mountain. You're never going to go up the mountain. You're going to continue going around and around, beating your head up against the wall. God's delays are not denials. We we love that God has patience with with His people, right? But and and because we all need Him to be, be patient with us, you know. We all he, so so there are times when when we're cool with God being patient, when God God delaying a little bit, and there are other times when we're not so cool with it. Come on, guys, figure it out. Do you trust God or not? Do you believe God is who He says He is? Have you forgotten the times when he has delivered you? Have you, we all, listen, have you forgotten the times that the miracles have come? A lot of times we do. And we're like, God, why, why, why? Listen, just look back on all the other times he showed up right on time. Verse seven says, therefore, receive one another. Instead of letting things divide Christians, we should receive one another. Just as Christ received us with pure grace, knowing, yet putting up with their faults. Charles Spurgeon writes, Christ did not receive us because we were perfect, because he could see no fault in us, or because he hoped to gain somewhat at our hands. No, but in loving con- uh, condescension, covering our faults and seeking our good, he welcomed us to his heart. So in the same way and with the same purpose, let us receive one another. Verse 9 says, as it is written, Paul, he quotes a series of, of passages from the Old Testament scriptures demonstrating that God, in, well, you know, what God intends to do, um, and, and he intends for the Gentile people to, to praise him, the Gentile people to be a part of his purpose. Instead of uh, uh, dividing over matters, Jews and Gentiles should unite in Jesus over the common ground of praise. See, at this time in the New Testament church, there was separation because the Jews felt that Jesus came for them, right? The Gentiles felt like Jesus came for them. And, and so the Jews were not allowing the Gentiles into the places of worship because there were no churches at the time, right? All there was was the synagogues or the temple, you know? And so Gentiles wanted to go worship but they weren't allowed to because Jews have put so many, many rules in place. And we're not going to get into to, to all that, that kind of crazy history um, of the church. But there was division. And that's what God, he never intended for there to be division. He intended for all his children to come together in unity, to worship him together. Verse 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. This prayer and, and and blessing concluding this particular section of Romans 15 is very appropriate. As God fills us with the blessing of his joy, the blessing of his peace, and believing in who in, in who he is, we are equipped to live the, the 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 common bond of unity in God. Paul didn't write 
any of this because he felt Roman Christians couldn't discern what was right before God or, or admonish each other to do what was right. You know, rather he, he wrote this letter to remind them, to encourage them to do what they knew what was right. Verse 16, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. This is consistent with Paul's calling to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Paul did not feel his primary mission was to the Jews, right? The other apostles, they were ministering to the Jews. But Paul was in a unique situation because he was a, a Pharisee at one point. Paul was a very learned man. Paul knew multiple languages, so he was best equipped, right? And what's amazing about Paul is that as a Pharisee, he knew the scriptures. He knew what we call the Old Testament, which is the Jewish Bible. He knew that front to back, left to right, inside and out. He knew it. So he was able to look back on the Old Testament scriptures and 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 see where it was written about Jesus to see how you know how this Messiah was going to come and to really you know make this very plain for the Gentile people and speak to them in a way that that they could understand plus he was a Roman citizen so he had extra rights extra ability to go to different places to reach even more people Paul considered himself a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles when the Gentiles live according to God, then their offering to God is, is acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Romans uh, 15, this, this particular verse 16, is filled with language of priesthood. Paul says he serves as a ministering priest of Jesus Christ, presenting the gospel as, as a priestly service so that Gentile converts would be an acceptable sacrifice to God. Verse 19, he writes, I fully preach the gospel of Christ. We sense that Paul would consider uh, uh, bare preaching, right? We're like uh, preaching without um, the active and, and miraculous work of the Holy Spirit to be less than fully preaching the gospel. Listen, if you're called to preach, if you're called to teach, if you're not doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is, it is bare preaching right? It is empty preaching, right? You're just, you're just, you know, spouting out facts because you can know the Bible, right? You can know the Bible left and right. But if you're not, if you don't know the Bible through the lens and through the interpretation of the Holy Spirit, what's the point? You're just saying some pretty words, right? Some poetic words. And unfortunately, there are people within the capital C church that they know the Bible, right? They know the scriptures. You could be in mid-conversation and I'm like, oh, you know, well, you know what? According to second opinions, verse two, you know, that's not the way it's supposed to be, you know? And it's like, okay, that's great. But did the Holy Spirit, you know, encourage you to say that? No, it's bare preaching. He talks about um, um, from Jerusalem and, and around about to Elysium and um, about preaching the gospel. This this place, Elysium, is is where modern day uh, Yugoslavia and Albania is at, and th so this means that that Paul's ministry had spread 
to create distances, right? To the, you know, he, his ministry was reaching the farthest reaches of the Roman Empire. He writes, he talks about Jesus Christ, talks about God. He talks about the spirit of God. Paul is effortlessly um, weaving in references to, to each member of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Paul can't talk about God without recognizing his three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, as it is written, he says, Paul saw his, 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 he had a pioneering heart, right? He had a missionary's heart. And and fulfilling um, this passage, he quotes from the Old Testament, Isaiah 52, um, verse 15, to whom he was not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. Again, Paul, he knew the Old Testament. And so he was so, you know, effortlessly able to, to, to weave in Old Testament scriptures, right? So while he primarily preached to the Gentiles, even Jews could hear his message and see where he was coming from and see what he was saying. Verse 24, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. Paul, Paul figured that, that he would visit the Roman church on, you know, on his way to, um, to Spain. You know, and and then he was going to preach the gospel there, you know, and and but he was going to stop off in Rome on the way to Spain. And so he was telling these Roman Christians, like, "I'm going to come see you. I'm headed to Spain. I'm going to come see you." And he and he anticipates that he can he can uh, enjoy the support and the fellowship of the Roman Christians before he goes to preach the gospel in even the farthest regions of the Roman Empire, but. Paul probably wanted Rome to be his his base of operations for the western part of the empire, just as Antioch was his base of operations on the eastern part of the Roman Empire. He goes, for I, I hope to see you on my journey. Paul had these plans, yet things didn't work out according to his plans. He did end up getting to Rome, yet he didn't get to Rome as a missionary on his way to Spain. He went to Rome as a, as a prisoner awaiting trial before Caesar. And it was here in his trial before Caesar that he would preach the gospel on a different kind of frontier. Not in the wilderness, not in these far-reaching cities, right? But a frontier of an empire of a pagan people, a pagan religion, the, the emperor of the most powerful people at that time. That was going to be Paul's ultimate mission field, preaching to the Caesar of Rome. God had unexpected frontiers for the gospel through Paul's life. And he gave him, gave him unexpected access to preach to the emperor of Rome himself. I don't know if Paul ever thought he'd be preaching to, to the Roman Empire. I don't, I don't know. But isn't that how God works? When you think, you know, he, he, like God wants me to do this thing right here. But God says, no, I got a greater for you. You're going to have greater influence. I'm going to put you in places that you never even imagined. 
I'm going to put you in places that are going to blow your mind. Again, I don't know if Paul had it in his heart. You know what? One day I'm going to preach to Caesar himself. I don't know. If he did, that's amazing. But if he didn't, look out, look at what God can do. You may think that your sphere of influence is just this little bubble that you're living in right now, but God has so much greater for you. You have so much more influence in your life. There's so much more that you are called to do, but you need to be obedient. You need to be okay with wherever God takes you. After his, his release from Roman imprisonment at the end of the book of Acts, we have reason to believe that Paul did, in fact, make his first his first trip to Spain, and he preached the gospel there. Just as a kind of a side note, verse 27, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Paul's observation here is very appropriate. The Gentile Christians of the broader Roman Empire have received so much spiritually from the community community of, of Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, it was only right that they help the Christians in Jerusalem in their need as well. So what he's saying is, you know, spiritually, the Jews who believe in Christ have poured into you. You know, it's only right that you support them as well because we're all brothers and sisters. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not just Jewish Christians. We're not just, you know, Gentile Christians. We are Christians. We believe in Jesus. We believe he is who he says he is. Let's support each other. Regardless of our familial background, let's support each other. Each other. Um, verse 30, he says, strive together with me in prayers to God for me. In 31, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. See, Paul, he sensed that there was danger awaiting for him in Jerusalem, and he was going to get who's going to go through Jerusalem. And he was warned several times. Um, we could read about that in Acts 20, verse uh, 22 to 23, and Acts 21, verses 10 through 14. He was warned about dangers to his life. Paul knew he needed the prayers of God's people to see him through um, any of this difficulty. The idea is that, that Paul wants Romans to partner with him. In ministry through their prayers. All right. The, the New English Bible writes, be my allies in the fight. The New Living Bible says, join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Listen, ministers, pastors need the prayers of the people that they pastor. We need it. We need it so much. Like Paul, I want you to pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors. We need your prayers, and we thank God for your prayers. Pastors, well, listen, we are sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit through the support of the people of the church. You guys, you may not realize the times and the, the, the struggles that we deal with, and it's only through prayers that we're sustained prayers through the Holy Spirit that we are sustained. You know, so take the time. Pray for Pastor Brendan. Pray for Pastor Sean, Pastor Harry, Pastor Danielle, Pastor John, the elders, your small group leaders, your connect group leaders, your, 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 your team leads. Pray for them. They need your prayers. 
the ancient Greek word that we translate strive together is this crazy Greek word that I ain't going to read, Nicole, because it's, it's a ridiculous word, but it literally means to agonize together. This is the only place in the New Testament where this specific word is used, yet the root word for this is agony. The root word for this is also was also used of Jesus's anguish and prayer when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus asked his disciples to agonize with him in prayer, when they failed at that critical moment and left Jesus to struggle alone. We must not leave our ministers. We must not leave our pastors and leaders to struggle alone. So when you think about how praying for your pastors, think about that moment when Jesus Asked his disciples, just pray with me. Just pray with me in agony. Because he was going through a the, the 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 most horrible time in his life up to that point. And he said, please just pray with me. Agonize with me. So I'm not alone. And they failed him. Charles Spurgeon wrote, does it astonish you that a man so rich in grace as Paul should be asking prayers of these unknown saints? It need not astonish you, for it is the rule with the truly great to think most highly of others. In proportion as a man grows in grace, he feels his dependence upon God, and in a certain sense, his dependence upon God's people. Listen, it is ultimately through the power of the Holy Spirit that any of us are sustained. But it's through your prayers we also feel something. We also feel strength. We also feel like we can keep going. So, the, so pray for each other. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for your, your, your pastors. Pray for your leaders. We should be constantly in prayer. The word says pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. This does not mean we need to be on our knees 24-7. Just praying and praying and praying. No, but as you go about your day, you know, take a second, pause for a minute here, pause for a minute there, say a quick prayer. I want to pray for Pastor Brendan. I want to pray for Pastor Sean. I want to pray for Pastor Harry. I want to pray for my the elders of my church. I want to pray for my brothers and sisters in my connect group. I want to pray for my freedom group. Be continually in prayer, guys, because prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. Prayer works. Verse 31, he says that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Paul knew that his, da that, that his danger in Jerusalem would come from those who did not believe. That the danger in Jerusalem was going to come from the Jews who thought he was a heretic, that he was talking this false gospel. They did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And this was demonstrated in Acts 21 and in Acts 22, the dangers that were coming against him. Paul knew that the church in Jerusalem was very conservative, uh, and sometimes men like Paul may, may seem to be dangerous, right? And so for this reason, he's asking the Romans to pray, and he writes that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. And we're going to close here, verse 32, that I may come to you with joy. Joy. We're in the Christmas season and we're talking about joy, right? This entire chapter leads up to this, that I might come to you with joy. The prayers of Paul and the Romans were answered. 
though not in the way that they expected. Acts 28 verse 15 describes Paul's entry into Rome. And he didn't come with, with joy, quote unquote joy, as we would sometimes define joy. But he still came with joy, even though he was in chains. He was in chains walking through the streets of Rome, awaiting trial before Caesar. And he came with joy. Why? Because now the gospel of Jesus Christ was going to be preached to the most powerful man in the entire known world. Joy. Paul was facing death, but he did it with joy. Paul was in chains, but he did it with joy. And there's examples all throughout the New Testament. Paul in chains, worshiping, worshiping with joy. He'd been beaten and flogged near death, and he worshiped with joy. How many of us can say that, we, that we, we've done that or can do that? Not this guy. Let me be real. That's tough. But Paul did it with joy. We should need, we need to live our lives with joy. We need to live our lives in a way that glorifies God so that no matter what comes before us, we can do it with joy. Now, I've never been beaten and flogged, you know, like, like Paul, but I've gone through some tough, some, some tough times. And if you've, listen, raise your hand if you've been through some stuff, right? But when you did it with God, you were able to do it with joy. You were still able to have a smile on your face because you knew God was in control. And if you know that God is in control, that God is making a way where there seems to be no way, you can do anything with joy in your heart. And if you feel like you cannot do that, and let me tell you something, maybe you need to get right with God. Maybe you need to take a quick pause and be like, Lord, you know, do I truly believe you are who you say you are? Do I truly believe that you're the son of God? Do I truly believe that you're the Messiah, that you're my savior? Do I truly believe that you came down 2000 years ago to die, to die, to be beaten and abused and bloodied for me? Because if I don't believe that, I probably don't have joy in my life. So take a second, brothers and sisters, whether you're here this moment right now, or you're listening later on in the podcast or on the YouTube, take a moment. Get right with God. Sometimes it just takes a quick second just to, to, to adjust our focus, right? As Pop says every Friday, keep your focus, keep your focus, keep your focus. And when you readjust that, that joy will come back to your life. Doesn't mean life is going to be easy. Doesn't mean you're going to be happy. Let's go. Let's, let's take a little deeper. You may not be happy, but you can still be filled with joy. Come on, Whew. it's a shame I only got thirty minutes, guys. Cause I'm like, oh, I'm I'm about to get fired up, and I can see Bob. He's right about to about to cut me off and say, hey, we're done. We're done. Listen, I love you. Let's pray, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can have an example like, like Paul, who went through so many trials and tribulations, but he did it with joy. He was beaten and flogged and abused, but he did it with joy. He was, he was uh, walked through the streets of Rome in chains, and he did it with joy. Why? Because, because he knew that he was doing it to glorify your name. So thank you, Lord, for this example, Father. I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, we're not being beaten and flogged. We're not being marched through the streets in chains or God, but we're going through some stuff. 
A lot of us are going through some trials and tribulations, Father. But, I, but Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just be with them wherever they're at, Lord God. Give them the assurance, Lord God, that you are with them, that you go before them, Father. You go before them, Lord God, so that they, they, they can have a smile on their face and they can have joy in their heart because they know that ultimately you will be glorified. Father, we thank you for your word and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love y'all. I'll see you again next week. God bless.